once again. Yeah, to the Anxious in Austin podcast. Here in Austin, Texas. Yep, Dr. Thomas Smithyman. Dr. Marianne Stout, the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin. Today doing a podcast interviewing the illustrious Diana Damer. Um, PhD. PhD. (laughs) um, Talking about perfectionism. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about you and what you do and all that good stuff. What do you what do you want people to know about you? Well, I am the director of the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin, where I have five wonderful colleagues <laughs> that I work here with, including Dr. Marianne Stout and Dr. Thomas Smithyman, uh, Dr. Ryan Douglas, Dr. Jana Greeson, and Dr. Christine Leva. Is that, is that everybody? I think so. That's everybody. Okay. How do you think of perfectionism? What do you... Because perfectionism isn't something that you find, like, in the DSM. Yeah. How do you... And, and when, when we, we wanted to have you on, and then we were talking about, well, what, what can we have you talk about? And then perfectionism is a thing that came up, which means, for some reason, you're the perfectionism person. So. You like perfectionism. <laughs> yeah. What, like what is going on so that you've become known to us as the perfectionism <clears throat> person? Well, probably about... Goodness, I would say maybe 15 years ago or so, I started using the theme of perfectionism as a way to kind of understand how a lot of different disorders are tied together. Um, I read uh, Martin Anthony and um, Anthony Swenson's book on we call When Perfect Isn't Good Enough, and it was after that I noticed that I started using that theme with a lot of my clients and it was kind of nice because it gave clients a way of understanding their anxiety or their different issues in in kind of a non-pejorative way instead of thinking um, I'm a control freak or I am anal retentive or um, even you know, lazy, (laughs) it's not that I'm lazy, I am a perfectionist. And so what I found is that the perfectionism theme kind of tied together two extremes of behavior that you tend to see in people that are coming for help in mental health clinics. One is kind of overactive, doing too much. They are, and those are all the things that they're doing to try to live up to their high standards. And then you also see the other end of the spectrum which is a lot of avoiding situations in which they might have to, to live up to their high expectations. And sometimes you see both within the same person, maybe alternating between procrastination and excessive checking and reassurance seeking. So, so that's, that's interesting, the, 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 I guess, that procrastination can be caused by being perfectionistic. Because I, I find if I ever bring that up, people are like, Really it's confused it by that like idea because I'm like I'm lazy. I'm not doing stuff that I should be doing. I'm being, I'm being mm-hmm. bad, and you're saying that. It's because if I was I'm, a perfectionist, it'd be because be I was striving. Yeah, so I'd be doing so, so much. much. I'd be mm-hmm. achieving. You know. Right. Yeah. And I had probably one of the most dramatic cases that I had that where perfectionism was really kind of helpful was a woman who was on disability. She hadn't worked in over 10 years. She really hadn't done much of anything. She was in need of several major surgeries. And um, once we started looking at 
her behaviors as perfectionism, she started actually making a lot of progress because she saw that all the things that she were do- that she was doing in terms of the avoidance behaviors was really because she would set herself up by you know, having these very lofty goals, or she would think that she had to do something in such a perfect way that it would just become overwhelming and she would just re- retreat to avoidance. But when we started thinking about it, oh, well, this is perfectionism, and how can we maybe break it down into some small steps? Then she started taking small steps. She eventually went back to school, started working on a graduate degree. She got the surgeries that she <laughs> needed and really kind of started moving forward with her life. And she really attributed it to, like, the, the kind of using that theme of perfectionism as a way to help her kind of move forward. Because it was like, it felt too overwhelming, or she was so self-critical if she had set this really high goal and wasn't working that, towards the high goal. That makes sense, right? Just yeah. being able to think about it, it's not that I'm lazy, that I'm incapable, it's I, I am trying to do this in too perfect of a way, and that's why it's, I'm getting overwhelmed and kind of shutting down. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people say, too, well, perfectionism is a good thing. You know, like you see really high-achieving people, and they call themselves perfectionists. So why why shouldn't I be a perfectionist? Why is it bad? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. And that's a nice, that's that way I can present it to clients, and, and I can say, you know, your perfectionism obviously has worked really well for you. It's enabled you to achieve a lot, and a lot of your success is probably do in part to your perfectionism. So, well, but there's also kind of this, you know, perfectionism is a double-edged sword, and so there's kind of that downside to it. And for a lot of clients, the downside is the toll that it takes on them emotionally, mentally, and physically. And I will present it kind of in the same way as I present the Yerkes-Dodson performance arousal curve, the idea that just like with anxiety, with perfectionism, there may be kind of an optimal level of wanting to do your best. And to some extent, having high standards for yourself and working hard and putting a lot of effort into things is, is, is very helpful. But at some point, and that's when you get into the unhealthy perfectionism, it kind of crosses that line. And now their perfectionism is no longer helping them. It's hindering them. It's getting in the way. You know, like the person who is never satisfied, you know, the student who's not never satisfied with her paper, so she just doesn't turn the paper in at all and gets an F instead of a, you know, an A- minus or whatever she might get otherwise. Um, so looking at, at, you know, in what ways is your perfectionism really kind of resulting in the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish? And, you know, we might decide that for certain areas of your life, it's, it's working well. And for some clients, they're still pers- performing at a high level. They're still, you know, they're still reaching their goals, but at, you know, a high cost to them in terms of their own mental health or physical health because, you know, that they are so stressed out and anxious about it or they're having to put so much more time into it. Um, and so the idea is that we're not trying to turn you into a sloth. We're not trying to have you um, not work as hard. It's almost like let's work smarter. Let's be more efficient. Let's not put in 
extra time that's really not going to end up being productive. Let's figure out, like, you know, I tell people some things aren't worth. I know we were all taught that if anything worth doing is worth doing 100%. Well, you know, I disagree. (laughs) Not everything is worth doing your best at. Mm -hmm. And part of overcoming perfectionism is figuring out what are the things that you maybe you need to cut some corners on because they're really wasting a lot of your time. You know, I I know some people like the idea of having, like, you've got a certain number of, you know, a certain amount of resources, and you can't really increase the amount of resources. You just kind of choose where it goes. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, if you got something where I'm like, well, I've just, you know, I'm at 90% on this, but I really need to be at 95%, then, yeah, how many of your resources is required to get up to 95%? And if extra goes into that area, it means it's coming out of somewhere else. So you're right. taking that out of your social time, you're taking it out of your health time, like, you know, and if we stop and actually analyze, well, what is, where are you kind of putting all those marbles? I realize a lot of times, yeah, it's going into work, but it's coming out of every other area that you Mm -hmm. actually care about, and you're not getting that much more out of it for all the things that you're giving up. Exactly. I think also with perfectionism, there's only credit given or only appreciation for that end goal, right? And it's not appreciating that there are many steps that go into that end goal. And so feeling like it should just be this all or nothing thinking of I did it or I didn't, as opposed to this was a step I took towards that end goal and that counts as well. And because I think that is part of where that self-critical talk comes in is I didn't get that end goal. I didn't reach this huge piece. And it's like maybe you did something that was a step towards you reaching Absolutely. In part, so there's, I have two diagrams that I share with clients. One shows the vicious cycle of perfectionism, and then the other one shows more like the cycle of healthy striving. And one of the components, one of the things that defines perfectionism is the person is driven by a fear of failure. Mm. And so... With healthy striving, you have you know you have a goal of what what you want to accomplish, and usually people set goals that are reasonable. They're maybe one step beyond what they've already accomplished. Whereas with a perfectionist, the goal might be very arbitrary, and it might not be that realistic. Um, with perfectionism, the, it's driven by a fear of failure. If I mess, you know, I'm going to mess up. If I'm not, if I don't work really hard, I'm going to be a failure. And so there's this sort of all or none thinking that sets in. Um, it's very difficult for perfectionists to acknowledge, as you were saying, Marianne, to acknowledge approximations of success and to allow themselves to feel good about the steps that they've taken. And when you can't pat yourself on the back and feel good about taking some small steps towards your goal, the tendency is to get very depleted and very exhausted. And then when you get depleted and exhausted, you become less effective and less efficient, which leads to more exhaustion and anxiety and depression. And then the vicious cycle piece is they then set another unrealistic goal to kind of pull themselves out (laughs) Mm -hmm. of that. Um, And so what we try to get people to do is to recognize you know the steps that they've taken along the way and allow themselves to feel good about it to focus not just on the outcome like you were saying but really to be able to enjoy the process or just let the process unfold rather than getting too invested in an outcome you know like we'll we'll kind of see how things go and maybe I'll adjust my goals along the way depending upon what I learn in the process as opposed to sticking with that goal no matter what yeah that makes sense yes Mm -hmm. 
I, I do think that people often, when you present it as like, oh, perfectionism, they think, yeah, you're going to turn me into a, a sloth, like you said. Like, mm -hmm. you're going to make, I need to be this lazy person is what you're trying to sell me, and I do not want that. So I think talking about, like, no, the having high standards is not the problem. It's that, yeah, not recognizing that that there are resources, a limited amount of resources, and that there are steps along the way towards getting that high standard. I always say, when we used to work at UT, when I'd have students come in, and be like, you know, if somebody took all of the work it took to get your degree and just dropped it in front of you and said, do all this, and that's how you get your degree, nobody would do it, but it's the like, okay, today, this is your assignment, today you go to this class, today you have to get this done, and right. it's those steps well, along think, the way that eventually get I believe there. this is from David Burns, one of his books, but he talks about this metaphor of, um, if you were to imagine all the food that you're going to eat between now and the day you die. Yeah. If you're talking to someone who's you know, 20 years old. Sure. So, you know, for the next 60, 70 years, whatever, all the food that you're going to eat, and then imagine all that food being in one, in one room at the same time. You would look at the food and you would say, there's no way I could possibly eat all this food. It's impossible. I think I might as well just give up now. <laughs> when obviously, no, that's not how it works. You eat a little bit each day. Mm -hmm. And so that, that metaphor helps people to realize how... Um, looking at everything that has to be done all at once tends to kind of immobilize you and make you feel overwhelmed and then make mm -hmm. you want to just avoid or give up. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and it skews your perceptions. Yeah. Exactly. There's also a quote of a colleague of ours that I steal all the time of, don't let the great be the enemy of the good. I'm sure you didn't come up with that, but that, like, you know, right. the... Yeah two-mile walk I do is better than the 10-mile run I don't right. kind of thing that, like, yes, give yourself credit for those smaller steps because, yeah, doing something is better than, mm -hmm. than doing nothing. Sort of like what you were saying, mm -hmm. like the A- minus is better than the F. Yeah, you know, I, I think about that a lot of times, too. I feel like with perfectionism, people are, are saying, well, I am going for this. The choice is, do I put in all this extra time and I get this really great thing? Or this not as good I'm going to choose greatness I'm going to mm -hmm. choose greatness but I think in reality you're not actually making a choice between those two because one of them's just too much it's too much of an investment you don't have time for it it's too stressful you're really choosing between am I going to do something that's pretty good or am I going to do nothing right mm -hmm. you know it's like this false choice that yes. you think oh I'm not going to choose things that's pretty good I've got to choose greatness you don't really have the choice of greatness it's like that or nothing mm -hmm. right and then you yep. do, and I find too, like you, you have someone go for the thing that's achievable and then it gives you momentum and the next going. thing is going to be a little bit better right? and a little bit better and that's actually how yeah. First comes greatness action, happens. Then comes motivation and then comes more action. A lot mm -hmm. of people think I have to wait till I feel motivated to accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. That's, I think that's one of the big procrastination traps too, right? Right. There's so many different ways that perfectionism can lead to procrastination. Um, and it can be helpful for each person that I work with. I try to figure out how is, is their particular brand of perfectionism leading to the procrastination. For example, yeah. I've had people tell me that they have the insight that they actually procrastinate because it gives them an excuse for not doing their best. Well, if I started at the last minute, I can't mm -hmm. be expected to be that good. Mm -hmm. But if I started ahead of time and put lots of time into it, then, well, it needs to be really good. Mm -hmm. um, another gotcha, way, yeah, so, so it brings the standards down to where I don't feel too anxious. About. Right. Yeah. Um, 
another reason people procrastinate is because or because of perfectionism is because in their mind it gets turned into this huge project you know something that the average person might think well it's only going to take a couple of minutes I'll just do it the person with perfectionism makes it a much bigger task and it feels very overwhelming and then they think well I don't have time to, to do that so I have to wait until I have a chunk of time to work on it and then and the motivation <laughs> right. yeah. so. I, I like had prepared a bunch of questions but I think things that we're talking about already kind of get at them um I'm curious I guess how does this relate specifically with like anxiety disorders where do you see like the intersection of the two? Oh, yeah, because because you were saying that I guess that as a framework seemed to apply to mm-hmm. so many. Right. Yeah. So if you look at um, what someone with generalized anxiety disorder, I mean, there's a very close match oftentimes between the behaviors associated with per- perfectionism and the behaviors that you see with someone with generalized anxiety disorder, and also obsessive compulsive disorder. Things like. Um, you know, this idea that if I plan ahead, um, try to anticipate every possible thing that could go wrong and try to address it, then this, there's this sort of fantasy that I can prevent bad things from happening. And what we know is that life is not perfectly predictable, and if we try to plan for everything that can go wrong... Well, the things that are going to go wrong are probably the things that we didn't anticipate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you end up with lots of wasted energy and lots of wasted time. So, But you tend to see people with um, perfectionism and generalized anxiety wanting to um, kind of know ahead what's going to happen, wanting to prepare for it. And one of the things we know about anxiety is the more that you seek out certainty, the more that you fail to tolerate uncertainty and ambiguity, the more that that creates anxiety. And so I think definitely with, with the, you know, the generalized anxiety, you see a lot of like high standards, not wanting to make mistakes. Same thing with obsessive compulsive disorder. You know, you see a lot of checking or reassurance seeking, lots of perfectionistic types of behaviors. Um, with depression, I think what you see is when someone is not satisfied with perfectionism it's often hard to be satisfied with what you've accomplished because when they do accomplish something there's a tendency to just be on to the next thing instead Mm of you know the average person when they accomplish something good they give themselves a moment to kind of reflect on it and bask in the glory a little bit Mm -hmm. but with perfectionism there's a tendency to sort of blow it off and think well I should have been have done that already Mm -hmm. and there's a focus on that's just me meeting the basic standards right Mm -hmm. and there's a tendency to attribute positive things to external Mm. um, you know to make external attributions for positive things so I did well on a test. Well, I got lucky. The teacher felt sorry for me. Um, it was an easy test. But when you do poorly on a test, there's the internal attributions. Well, I didn't study enough. I'm not smart enough, that kind of thing. And so the, this sort of bias perception tends to just feed into those negative feelings. So if you can't feel good about what you've accomplished, then you tend to get kind of depressed and depleted. So I think that's one way that depression or perfectionism can lead to depression. Mm-hmm. Um, with social anxiety, so I usually, you know, from the Swenson and uh, Anthony and Swenson book, I, I didn't. They, you know, there's three types of self 
perfectionism. I think it was Gordon and Flett who identified these. Hewitt and Flett? Hewitt and Flett, who identified these three types. There's the self-oriented perfectionism, where you have very high standards for yourself. There's other-oriented perfectionism, where you have high standards for others. Um, so part of relationships. Right. Yeah, attention, that one. Yeah. And then the third type is called socially prescribed perfectionism, which is having an exaggerated idea about what other people expect of you. Mm-hmm. So believing that if I were to make a small mistake, people would judge me very harshly for it. And that is the one that tends to go along with social anxiety, this extreme totally. fear of negative evaluation. If I, don't, if I make a mistake um, in a conversation, then I will make a fool of myself and people will think I'm an idiot. So, mm-hmm. so that's the type of perfectionism that tends to, you know, I think, lead to or coincide with social anxiety. Yeah, yeah I need to be like the perfect showman or like have the best stories or be yeah. incredibly entertaining and funny. I, I, I see it for like conversation like all the time just the especially like the idea that um, that human speech is somehow like as perfect as a drafted oh. essay. Sure. Like I want to be saying or something. movie script. Yeah I, but I can't just like say whatever comes to mind i got to use the right words say it in a way that's perfectly understandable I can't like use roundabout means to get there I can't use the wrong word or stumble it's just like and small talk is boring so I shouldn't do that I should always have insightful and interesting things to say or or I shouldn't do that people don't like that I can't what if I bring up the wrong topic the person's not interested all this stuff that is like like totally above the threshold of just like normal imperfect human And then with performance anxiety, you know, very Mm -hmm. similar. If I make a mistake in front of people, then it will be terrible. Yeah, they're going to notice it, and they're going to think that I should never have done that, and they will judge me, and they'll have no empathy about it. And the response then is less talking, and right, it's that same sort of thing, like the F versus the A minus, like not talking is not as good as saying something that might, or you might stumble, or that might not be the perfect thing to say, or you might have the best... And a lot of, it becomes, as you're sort of alluding to, I think, kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, a lot of times people who have social anxiety try very hard not to show their anxiety, and sometimes in the attempts to not show anxiety, they come across as maybe not very friendly or open, Mm -hmm. and then people... Cuts off connections. (laughs) It cuts off connections, and that only feeds more into the social anxiety. Mm -hmm. People don't like me. People don't want to spend time with me. That's the vicious cycle. If you expect people not to like you, then you are likely to act in a way that makes that more likely to come true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you, you push people away as a way to not be rejected, yeah. which gives you the same result. Yeah, which is, which is why. And then the, the harder you try to do it, the, the more it keeps happening. Right. And then per- perfectionism also can lead to body image issues, you know, like, you know, believing that you need to have the perfect body in order to be an acceptable person. So a lot of perfectionism can be defined as... Um, judging your self-worth entirely on external accomplishments Mm -hmm. Um, rather than being able kind of you know really tied into self-esteem rather than being able to see yourself as being worthwhile apart from whatever you might be accomplishing at any given moment makes sense Mm -hmm. and then you see anger I think is the other piece that you see a lot with with perfectionism Mm. the shoulds Um, coming in then like I'm not needing up to the should could be I think then also especially the perfectionism toward others you know people that 
um, have very high standards for themselves tend to misinterpret can misinterpret the behavior of other people because they might say, well, I would never forget someone's birthday. Mm. So if that person forgot my birthday, they must not be a real friend. Um, or, you know, the, 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 the standards they have for themselves in relationships may be very high, and when other people don't live up to them, they may interpret that as meaning something more than it actually means, and it can lead to a lot of um, difficulties in relationships and sometimes anger at the person not kind of following through on things the way that you think they should. So, how do you go about treating this? I think we're out of time now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, one of the first things I focus on, well, you know, is getting the person to kind of identify what areas of their life that it impacts. You know, we look at how does it impact work or school? How does it impact your daily life? How does it impact your relationships? How does it impact your anxiety? Um, and then we look at um, a list of thoughts and behaviors that tend to go along with perfectionism and try to start to identify those. And the idea is that the thoughts and behaviors tend to reinforce one another. If you have a perfectionistic belief that, um, you know, I should never make a mistake, then that might lead to a lot of perfectionistic behaviors like checking and rechecking and that sort of thing. Oh, so the behaviors, or excuse me, the thoughts lead to the behaviors, but then the behaviors tend to reinforce the thoughts because if you're always engaging in these perfectionistic behaviors, then you don't get to learn that maybe they will, won't be necessary. Like mm-hmm. the person who thinks I need to study 36 hours straight before every test doesn't learn that maybe they would have done just as well, if not better, if they had taken some more breaks and not mm-hmm. studied so many hours. Because you don't test the belief out enough yeah, to, exactly. to see whether it's true or not. Right. Yeah. So I think David, David Carbonell in his Panic Attacks workbook kind of references an old vaudeville joke where two guys are talking and one of them's making this terrible honking noise. And the one guy says to him, what, why, why are you making that, that horrible honking noise? And the other guy says, to keep the elephants away. The guy says, well, there aren't any elephants for thousands of miles. And he says, see, it works. Mm-hmm. So the idea that we engage in the behavior because we think it's working. That's what mm-hmm. they believe that that's what's keeping them safe, keeping them from falling off the brink mm-hmm. into failure. So we start to challenge some of the perfectionistic ways of thinking by identifying, okay, how am I looking at this situation and is this helpful or is there maybe a more helpful way for me to think about it? Maybe instead of telling myself that if I make a mistake, I'm a failure, I could tell myself, you know what, everybody makes mistakes. Probably no one will even notice, but even if they do, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then starting to learn to do things in less perfectionistic ways, like either maybe breaking things down into small parts, component parts, and rewarding yourself for approximations of reaching your goal. And the other big one is to purposely expose yourself to doing things in a less perfectionistic way. And you learn, you know, that nothing bad happens. Most of the time you learn that you Mm -hmm. still accomplish um, just as much. And so, obviously, you have to be somewhat judicious in terms of what 
behaviors you choose to do imperfectly. We don't ever, you know, we don't have people yeah. do things that would actually be dangerous or result uh-huh. in negative <laughs> consequences. Yeah. But like we might say, well, why don't you purposely send an email to a friend that has a typo in it? Mm-hmm. See, do they, you know, does anything happen? Do they decide not to be your friend anymore? Or do they <clears throat> point out what a terrible mistake you made? That kind of thing. So those are sort of, I think, that's like the main way that we go about addressing the perfectionism. So does it change? Do you find that it's treatable? I think the biggest part is for people, I think the, the thing that's most helpful is it gives people, this is a little bit ironic, but... Um, <laughs> perfectionists like things to be kind of neat and tied up and so it gives the perfectionist a way of understanding uh, their problems in a way that feels more manageable you know I've had people say to me you know what I thought I had all these problems and it was so overwhelming now I realize I just have one problem I'm perfectionist (laughs) and it gives them a way to understand and frame so when they find themselves doing behaviors that are counterproductive they can say oh okay this is me being perfectionistic how do I need to do this less perfectly Mm mm-hmm and it helps them to understand a lot of times when they're feeling anxious, it's because they are maybe holding themselves to too high of a standard and they need to work mm-hmm. on compromising with themselves or they need to look at the big picture or they need to tolerate uncertainty and ambiguity. Mm-hmm. So I think it's once people kind of buy into that model or that, that understanding, it really helps them to identify the, their behaviors and thoughts that are not helpful. Sure. And my guess is, and then... Work that I've seen like that yeah it's not like all of a sudden you are lazy mm-hmm. or you stop doing things but you're actually able to like accomplish the stuff that's more important to you or in line with your values and exactly get stuff done kind of concentrate your efforts on what you want to do and you can do well mm-hmm. with it yeah, yeah I, I think in the the so I'm trying to think it's like I do so much social anxiety stuff I was thinking about this stuff in social terms but I think in, in general that idea of like seeing what happens if you lower performance standards rather than like trying to live up to it or protecting yourself against well I'll say nothing unless it's going to be really cool right as I said deliberately lowering the social standards and deliberately breaking the rules and seeing what what does happen mm-hmm. right you know do people really respond the way that I think they do do they notice do they care they're noticing right. other people like I try to make a point of like just performance standards wise just whatever happens yeah. happens and we'll do recording sometimes and to look at stuff and I'm like look I said um like 20 times and <laughs> I started and broke I used the wrong word for this thing and you know and look did, did you notice did you care nope you didn't even notice because I was like yeah practicing imperfection like regularly right and just I think too like kind of to me the last piece of this is that when you do that when you lower the standards you know whether it's for work stuff or yourself you end up I think enjoying the process yeah, so much more sure like, I've heard people saying that they're like oh this, this is like much easier than I realise and it's less stressful and I think it's that shift from like um, I think it's like the critical it's like to like fr- enjoyment yeah, totally yeah and it's, it's that shift from like um, the threat system to the like approach system from like it's that like either running away from something instead of like I'm going to start running towards something it's just more enjoyable Mm-hmm. It's so much more that like self-rewarding yeah. piece. And I've had clients tell me that they've learned how to redefine success. 
you know, before success was being the best and doing it perfectly, mm-hmm. and they weren't happy. And then and they, maybe they re- happy, right? redefined success as um, doing it well and enjoying myself, or yeah. you're know, coming up with a way to define su- success that, um, like you were saying, is more in line with your goals and your values, and it's not mm-hmm. based on just what an, arbitra- an arbitrary yeah. rule or standard. Yeah. Sure. Or what I think other people think it should be. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What What about um? That's one thing I see a lot. What about the comparisons to other people? Oh yeah. You know, because because right. I feel like there's a whole lot of that. Like. There's a lot of cherry picking comparisons, that right? With perfectionism. Yeah. And like, um, like, what do you do with that? So one of the things that comes up a lot is comparing yourself to one of one of the perfectionistic styles of thinking is inappropriate social comparison. So the tendency is to compare yourself to whoever is the best in that particular area, which means as a perfectionist you have to be good in everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. You're not comparing them. Right. Yeah. Because you're You've got to be one of the best <clears throat> at everything. Right. That exists. So, you know, comparing yourself to the your classmate whose best subject is math, even though maybe math is your worst subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and not considering that maybe you're better at that, you know, than that classmate and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, comparing yourself to people who haven't had to overcome the same obstacles that you've had sure. to overcome. All the ones who are way further on in their career. Right. Ones who have 10 more years of experience than you do. So there's that sort of unfair comparison that that perfectionists tend to make. And then I think there's also, um, I put this in a decision-making handout that I have, this idea of reminding yourself that one uh, one person's good experience doesn't negate your good experience. So, Mm -hmm. for example, if... I decided to, what's a good example, um, I decided to buy um, a specific car, but then Marianne tells me how much she likes her Audi and how great it is, then I would maybe, if I was a perfectionist, I must think, well, if she likes her car and I didn't buy the same car, I should have bought the car that she bought because obviously she likes that one. And not realizing that just because someone else has a great experience doesn't that's different than mine doesn't mean that mine isn't good anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's, I, I hear people tell me a lot, I'm always saying I should do this. Every time I hear someone did something cool, like they climbed Mount Everest, oh, I should do that. You know, um, they cleaned out their closet. Oh, I should do that. You know, this tendency uh-huh. to think anytime you hear something that someone else has accomplished, yeah. that somehow you should be doing that as uh-huh. well. And as soon as it's a should, then you're not doing it. Yeah. So you're already failing by allowing that to continue, right? Right. And I think, too, right, I mean, this is where social media and pieces come in that a lot yeah. of times people are not advertising, yeah, the, the difficulty that went in climbing Mount Everest or what have you, right? Like they are showing the what they gave picture up of, yes, <laughs> yes, the picture of themselves at the top and that's it and that's what you see and that's what you compare. So we talk a lot about that, like you compare your insides to their outsides piece. Like oh, you yeah, know definitely. all the like experiences that you've had yeah. and feelings that have gone into it and you're just comparing it to yeah, yeah. this person's like end result. Which gets, I think, into self-compassion, which I tend to think of as kind of the opposite of perfectionism. Totally. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. with self-compassion, you um, you acknowledge, you know, your own pain, 
you treat yourself kindly and you recognize that making mistakes, having difficulties is a part of life and that it, instead of setting you apart from everyone else, it makes you sort of part of the human race. Mm-hmm. And I think when people are going through difficult times, they look around and they say, everybody else seems to be doing just fine and I'm the only one who's struggling here, but mm. not recognizing that they don't know the extent other people are struggling because mm-hmm. people are we probably looking at that. people are looking at you thinking yes. you are doing just fine. Yes. Well, I think that was social anxiety all the time mm-hmm. that like I look so weird and they're looking great. And, like I think that's part of why the video mm-hmm. taping yourself, right? Like giving a speech or what mm-hmm. have you is helpful because you have no idea. You are experiencing your internal experience of, like, yeah, I feel awkward. Where are my hands? What am I going to say next? And, you know, I feel super anxious. But you might look totally normal, and you have no idea what the person next to you feels on the inside. You just see their external experience. And so, yeah, you're... You know, the the self-compassion thing, too, makes you think of, um, like, Paul Gilbert's... Like, Paul Gilbert got into, like, compassion stuff, too. And I think it was... I don't know. It might have been, like, the... Butler, Fennel, folks from the Oxford group, but they I remember them talking about um, the the example of imagining you have a kid who like wants to play like baseball or something, and you're trying to figure out which coach you want your kid to be coached by, and there's one coach who's like yells at the kids all the time and tells them how terrible they are, how they've ne- never been good enough and look over and else is doing it better than them and if they drop the ball, the coach is like, how would you have done that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you got another coach that's like, okay, let's work on this skill. Like, good job. You're getting better. Here's, here's how you might alter this to catch it better. Let's try again in practice. Good job. You're getting, you're improving. Which kid would you want? Sorry, which, which coach, coach would yeah. you want your kid to go to? Would you really say... Mm-hmm. You've got to have high standards. Really should be the best. Let's let's send you the one who crushes you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then think that's what the sort of the self the you know self critical perfectionistic side. Right. That's what you're kind of choosing to do to yourself a lot. Well, it's interesting because sometimes people who aren't anxious and aren't perfectionists might need a little bit of a kick in the pants occasionally, right? But most of the people that we work with are already so critical of themselves. Mm-hmm and so hard on themselves that putting yeah. more pressure Listen on them the thinking truth. that that's going to somehow help yeah. actually results makes, in the opposite. Like, and what we're trying to do usually is help people take off some pressure so they can get their anxiety down yeah. to a level yeah. where that's, it's actually helping. That's performance such a, optimal level. I feel like such a foreign concept. I don't know if it's like, like American culture or something, but it seems like such a resistant concept for people. Like, wait, I can do better by lowering pressure and lowering <laughs> demands? That. Yeah. Which is interesting because, like, I'm mean, going to take this into a whole different tangent, but I think as far as, like, American education has really changed, right? Like, getting rid of corporal punishment and trying to use a lot more positive reinforcement mm-hmm. and things like that. Like, there has been this big shift in seeing that. And some people would say it's swung too far in the other get, direction. A lot of people get <laughs> mad at that. They, many people go on red, so that's how it shouldn't be there. <clears throat> sure. I mean... Yeah, it is a slower process, I think, with the positive reinforcement piece. But I think, mm-hmm. right, like kind of what you're talking about mm-hmm. with which coach would you want for your kid? Mm-hmm. Like, what, yeah. what's going to be more sustainable? But I think positive reinforcement doesn't have to mean telling the kid that, you know, they're special and it they're the best. It doesn't lying. Right, yeah, yeah. It's all about, I think, giving, I think 
what we try to do is help people look at things in a realistic way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Realistic and yet positive. Yeah, which is the realistic, not, <laughs> right. not a fake good, but also yeah. not a skewed negative. Yeah. It's like, okay, maybe awful. people... It's yeah. possible people are looking at you and saying negative things, but if that's true, does that... You know, how important is it that some random stranger might be looking at yeah. you and thinking something negative? Are they, are they negative? king of the world who has decided, the <laughs> right. coalition of everyone has decided this person is the representative? No, yeah. this is a random person. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, well, any, any last questions or anything? Or? Um, I'm trying to think of ways we can, like, demonstrate imperfection here. Um, I think, I'm sure we I probably think, have already. I think every single episode is a, is a demonstration my, of imperfection. Yeah. That's my thought. Uh, yeah. um, did you, anything you uh, wanted to tell people if they listen and like what they were hearing to, to like, do you want to plug anything? you want to plug your business <laughs> or anything? Or? Treatment Center of Austin? Sure. Well, if you or someone you know, <laughs> life is being hindered by anxiety. Check us out at uh, www.anxietyaustin.com. Well, thanks so much. Sounds great. Yeah, thanks for coming on and talking to us Monday morning. Yeah. (laughs) Just any mistakes that I may have made today, Mm. just know that they were on purpose. (laughs) You know, I I, I Practicing and tolerating perfectionism. My my last one of this, so um, Diana used to do a perfectionism group at UT Austin. It's called The Courage to Be Imperfect. Courage to Be Imperfect. I thought that was a great name. But I used to have a meeting in the same room before that group and it would be written on the board and so I used to go and like just I'd cross I'd like erase letters out of the name so that imperfection would be like perfectionism would be spelled (laughs) wrong or something would be spelled wrong just so people could practice tolerating the imperfect writing on on the the board for the perfectionism group well thank you all very much and thanks for listening to the Anxious and Austin podcast yeah go go check out Diana's website you'll find us on there too yeah and listen and tell your friends and please keep sending in those zero questions oh so many questions questions we keep getting zero questions we've ever gotten it'd be be great to keep that total rising up (laughs) above zero we have you know low standards so maybe one would be great (laughs) you'd be very happy with (laughs) you'd be very special and you would definitely get on the show okay till next time thank you see ya